You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. Is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Friday afternoon as we get set for week two, which kicked off last night. We'll talk about the Bucks and the Panthers in just a few moments. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis on the gram at Aron88. Check out all my work, fulltimefantasy.com. We got deep sleepers up there, week two sleepers, the week two wide receiver report for DFS. Stockwatch, and of course, if you have any questions, you could ask them on the message boards and the forums anytime you want. We will get back to you, and again, just recommend start sit decisions. Try to hold off until we get full practice reports so we can give you the best answer. You know, when you're asking questions on a Wednesday about players that are hurt, you know, it's, it's going to be like, well, it depends on this, depends on that. So, you know, I think the best thing is Tuesday, Wednesdays, waiver wire questions, trades. And then uh, starting lineups later in the week, just so we can give you the best answer with the most information at our disposal. Uh, you can also check us out at si.com slash fantasy, contributing over there. Uh, my sneaky starts article went up there yesterday. Uh, I also had the stock watch and the waiver wire report. And uh, you can check that out. In addition, we will cover you for DFS. We got the projections up for week two, the optimizer. So plenty of different ways to win money. Use the promo code RONAS50. Get your first two months for the price of one. Let's look at last night's game and what we can take away from a fantasy perspective. And it was an ugly game. Buccaneers beat the Panthers 20-14. to 14. There was a lightning delay in this game. Just about what was it about seven minutes into the game, six and a half minutes in, they had a delay. They had some lightning in the area. There was heavy rain. Field conditions weren't great. So obviously that hurt things a little bit. Uh, from the Buccaneers' perspective, Jamison Winston was better, uh, not great. 16 to 25, 208 passing yards, one touchdown, 8.3 yards per pass attempt. He was sacked three times. He didn't turn it over. So again, not great game. Winston was a guy that I got a lot of questions about, and I have invested in him heavily. Now, this was not the typical Winston game script that you expect. The reason why I liked Winston going into the year was I thought he'd be passing a lot. I didn't think this was a great running game. I didn't think their defense was good. Now, the first two weeks of the season, their defense has played well. Now, they did go against San Francisco, not a great offense, and the Panthers, who are really struggling right now, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. So, I don't know if this is going to continue uh, again, Winston has a lot of weapons in this offense. It was a short week, bad weather. So I'm going to hold on to Winston. Uh, everyone likes to overreact. I Look, he is not a great NFL quarterback, but that doesn't mean he can't be a productive fantasy quarterback. And it has been rough here the first two weeks of the season, but a little bit better yesterday. But I don't see many games where the Bucks have 31 rushing attempts and 25 pass attempts. I just don't see that being a consistent for them. Unless this team is better than I think. And it's possible. You know, Bruce Arians, solid coach. So what he did in Arizona. So I'm going to be patient with Winston. You know, the problem is where I have Winston, there just wasn't great quarterbacks on the wire. You know, usually most teams have two quarterbacks in the 20-round drafts. So there's not a lot out there. I did pick up Josh Allen in one league where he was available, where I have Winston, and I started 
Josh Allen this week. So um, that was uh, the decision I had to make there. Peyton Barber had 23 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, again, he wasn't impressive. It was all volume. 3.6 yards per carry. He had one catch for seven yards. So that kind of hurts his upside. He's not going to be involved much in the passing game. But what's crazy is we heard the report. Now, it was from Ian Rappaport of NFL.com. And, you know, we have seen in the past a lot of his reports have not come to fruition. He reported Ronald Jones was going to play more, or get more touches. It didn't happen. Uh, Jones had four carries in this game. He did have a 12-yard run that was extremely impressive, and it also was something we saw in week one. Uh, and I don't know if it was the game script. You know, they did say Peyton Barber was still the starter, and they go with the hot hand, but Ronald Jones barely played. So that was not what you were hoping for if you picked up Jones off the waiver wire or if you had him and you were encouraged. Uh, but for the, in general, I said you can't play anyone from this backfield. Obviously, if you played Barber, it worked out for you. Ogbenwale is dependent on game script. This was the worst game script for him possible. They were playing from ahead in this game for the most part. Uh, they were up 10-9 at the half. They were up 17-12 after three quarters. So they pretty much were in front. And if that happens, they're going to get a little bit more conservative and not risk Winston turning the ball over and changing the complexion of the game. So Ogbenwale only had one target, one catch for nine yards and no carry. So Again, this back this backfield is very dicey right now uh, because I'm sure a lot of people felt Tampa was going to lose this game. And that's the problem sometimes when you look at game scripts. Carolina was favored by 6.5. I liked getting the points. I did not think Tampa would win, but I thought they would keep it close. And, you know, if you predict the wrong game script and you go by that, you're going to lose. And that's the problem with a backfield like this in Tampa Bay. You know, you can roster these players. I have Oakman Wale in a couple leagues. I don't own Peyton Barber anywhere. But if you predict the game script wrong, then you're in trouble. And, you know, if you bought into the report of Ronald Jones, too, you know, you got screwed. And it's the so what you take away from it is a lesson. You know, if you did use Jones out of desperation, there probably were a few teams that did. Maybe you couldn't wait on Mixon. And that's the problem with the Thursday night games is you have to make these tough decisions. I know someone asked me yesterday about, Tyler Lockett, DJ Moore, and I said play more. I mean, I liked Moore as a play anyway, but Lockett had a back issue. It sounds like Lockett's going to play, but Moore was was a good play last night anyway. So that's the one issue with the Thursday night games. But if you did play someone in the Tampa backfield and it wasn't Barber, it's an alert for you. And that's what we try to do here is you try to learn each week to become a better player because we are all going to make mistakes and – if you got sucked into the Buccaneers' backfield, this was an alarm for you that says, hey, it's going to be dicey every week, and a lot of it's going to be, depend on game script. So you can't really start anyone from Tampa Bay right now in that backfield. You can roster them, but I don't see putting them in your starting lineup because it's going to be difficult to predict the game script week to week. Chris Godwin is a stud. I mean, he was our breakout player of the year. He was my breakout player of the year. Last year he was my sleeper. I mean, this is not a surprise at all. And the problem was his price got so high. You know, I loved Godwin, and I was looking back at my rosters and don't have him as much because he started to go in the early third round in a lot of our high-stakes drafts late. So loved Godwin going into the year. You see why. Eight receptions, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Second straight week with a touchdown and nine targets. We'll continue to look at this game and what it means from a fantasy perspective because there were a lot of players that disappointed. What does it mean for your fantasy team? I'll let you know next. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 
Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Friday afternoon. Fantasy Taz from FFChamps.com will join me at 3.40 p.m. Eastern to look ahead to the week. And you can find all my work, FullTimeFantasy.com. I have my deep sleeper article up today. And if you have any questions, you could ask them on the message boards and the forums at any time. If you're not a member, join now. We'll get you through the year, get you to the playoffs, and hopefully things break right and you win a fantasy football championship. So use the promo code RONUS50. Get your first two months for the price of one. Going back to the Buccaneers-Panthers game last night and taking a look at some of the things that occurred and what it means for your fantasy team going forward. That was a decent game for Mike Evans. You know, Potentially could have had a touchdown early in this game. Wasn't able to uh, get to the ball, but he had four receptions, 61 yards on eight targets, so should be fine for him. But, man, O.J. Howard owners just disgusted today. No targets in this game. He'd be used to block a lot. He did run more routes than Cameron Bray, but certainly uh, an ugly start, and now people are starting to say, well, Bruce Arians hates the tight ends. Well, yeah, Arians didn't have a good tight end in Arizona, but in Pittsburgh, with Heath Miller, he did, and he used him. So I think they find a way eventually to get O.J. Howard involved. And you can't drop him. I know a lot of people have discussed it right now. But trust me, if you even, even in leagues that are not 20 rounds, the tight end position is still tough on the waiver wire because there are people that roster two tight ends, especially when you got T.J. Hawkinson, Darren Waller, and these guys coming out. Even if someone has a good tight end, they're going to pick them up. So there really isn't much of the waiver wire. So trust me, I know I have O.J. Howard in the league, and it sucked. And you're, you're not going to feel great, but they do play, I believe, the Giants next week. So that's a good matchup. And I got to think that Arians finds a way to get Howard involved. We did see him in week one. It wasn't a big game, but he did have a key fumble in that game and let a pass go through his hands as well, leading to an interception. But, you know, they only completed 16 passes in this game. So it's not like this is a typical Tampa Bay game where I do expect them to complete 25, 30 pass attempts. So it was ugly. The weather, they only put up 20 points. So I just think if you're an O.J. Howard owner, you got to be patient. Maybe you don't play him next week. I have no problem with that. If you want to put him on the bench and say to yourself, hey, I need to see him prove it first. I need to see a game where he's involved. That makes absolute sense uh, for sure. But I don't think you can... Um, cut him. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people that want to cut him, and I, I would not do that at this point. Uh, on the Panthers' side, I mean, Cam Newton is being talked about a lot today, and look, it was ugly. 25 of 51, six and a half yards per pass attempt, 332 passing yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He took three sacks, and it was awful. He was very inaccurate, missed open receivers, threw behind receivers, and 
you know, it was a short week. He's coming off the shoulder surgery. He's 30 years old. I just think right now at this point, maybe his body is just too beaten up. I mean, he had the midfoot sprain. He's had a lot of injuries. He's a quarterback that's taken a beating throughout his career. And here's the bottom line. The fantasy value for Cam Newton, it is tied to his rushing. That's where he's been a productive fantasy quarterback and why he's finished top five consistently. He has a high floor because of his ability to run. And we are not seeing it right now. And that's a big problem for him because you cannot rely on him to get it done with his passing in fantasy. It's not going to happen. I mean, it should have happened in this game. There were open receivers. You know, the Curtis Samuel reception of 44 yards, he hits him in stride. That could be a 70-plus yard touchdown. So there were opportunities here. And, you know, everyone is burying Cam Newton today. And that's what happens in the NFL. People make reactions after one game. This could be a case of just Cam Newton being rusty. It's possible. He's coming off the shoulder surgery, had the midfoot sprain. It was a short week. They were at home, but it's a sh- these Thursday night games are just terrible, man. They got to get rid of it. They won't. The reason why they do it is money, like everything or most things in life. But it's just most of the time. We do get some good Thursday night games, but, man, the first two have been absolutely horrific to watch. The Packers-Bears in this game yesterday, absolutely awful. Just terrible. So I don't think the short week helps. So I'm not ready to say it's over for him, but you don't feel good about using him. Uh, I do have him in one league. I have him and Dak Prescott. I started Dak Prescott this week. But I can't blame anyone if they went back to Cam this week. It was a really good matchup at home. And the attempts were there. Just he was very, very inaccurate. And uh, it is possible that maybe the days of a QB1 are over for him. I don't want to make that assessment after two games uh, because it could just be rust. We've seen this before. I think even Andrew Luck, when he was coming off the shoulder surgery, got off to a slow start and turned it on. Uh, but certainly the bigger concern is he's not running. And when it's late in the game, fourth and one, and Cam Newton's not running a quarterback sneak, they're telling us something. Because in the past, they are always a team on those third and shorts, fourth and shorts, and one. They always run a quarterback sneak all the time. And they didn't even think about doing it there with the game on the line. Putting Newton to the right side basically in the tight end spot, and we all knew nothing was going to be with him involved in the play. It was like the worst decoy, and Cam didn't sell it at all. So that, to me, is the bigger red flag. You can talk about the inaccuracy in the passing. If Cam Newton's not going to run, that really hurts his fantasy value. He has five carries carries for negative two yards through two games. That is insane. And I knew, I had mentioned, hey, with the midfoot spray, maybe you don't see Cam run that much early in the year. But not to this level. So everyone's thinking he's hurt, something's wrong. Whatever it is, it's not good right now. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're probably playing other options over him for sure at this point. Uh, but I do think they have the Cardinals coming up. So that's a pretty good matchup. So, again, just don't bury him just yet. It was not good, no question about it. But it could have been rust. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 16 carries for 37 yards, man. Just Brutal, man. Uh, and I have him in a couple leagues. I was going against him, so you know how it is with that. I always root for the league with the bigger money prize to come through. But 
it was the, the Tampa Bay defense did a good job of bottling up McCaffrey. They knew that he is the spark that gets this offense going, and they said, we're going to shut him down. And to me, Carolina made terrible adjustments because if you see your star running back is getting locked down, throw him the ball in space. McCaffrey's one of the best receiving running backs, and I just could not believe. Now, I know the box score says six targets. I felt like there was one or two in the second half. I mean, I was just sitting there, and I tweeted, why is Christian McCaffrey on the field? I mean, it felt like they weren't even looking at him. It was the same thing. Dropping back to throw, throwing the ball downfield. It was not working. Cam was inaccurate. Give him some easy throws. Make adjustments. I know he was a little inaccurate, even on the short ones. There was one late to Curtis Samuel that was behind him. Samuel should have caught it. I mean, again, it was behind him, but some, you know, his hands were on it. You got to make that play. And, again, it wasn't a, a good play by a good throw by Cam, but got to make that play. So I just thought they did a terrible job trying to at least adjust, get McCaffrey the ball in space. He had two receptions, 16 yards, probably the worst game we'll see from McCaffrey this year. Greg Olson, nine targets, six receptions for 110 yards. I was forced to start him in the Scott Fishbowl. My only two tight ends were Greg Olson and Hunter Henry, so I had to play him. There was another league where I lost Henry where I – Thought about picking up Olsen, but I was hesitant because he had the back injury, didn't practice much, short week, older tight end, but boy, he was getting open, and uh, he looked good. He could have even had a bigger game. As we said, Cam Newton was a little inaccurate in this game, but six receptions, 110 yards, and nine targets. Curtis Samuel, 13 targets, five for 91 after not being involved heavily in week one. DJ Moore, like him a lot, have him in a lot of leagues, 14 targets, nine for 89 in this one, so uh, just a very disappointing game. They were, I believe, inside the 50, the Panthers, seven times and did not score a touchdown. If you did use their field goal kicker, and I did pick him up in a league where I had Mike Badgley, Joey Sly coming through four for four, including a long of 54 yards, two 50-yard field goals, so he came through if you used him in an otherwise dismal game uh, from a fantasy perspective. When we return, we have some news A running back has been placed on injured reserve. Who is it? I'll let you know next. It is full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Friday afternoon, getting you set for Week 2, which did kick off last night. Tampa Bay defeating the Panthers 20-14. to Get in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, where listeners of this show can get a deposit bonus up to $500. Here's how it works. Create a DraftKings Sportsbook account, make a deposit, place your first bet, and DraftKings will match it with a 50% bonus of up to $500. This offer is eligible for all users, plus new users will get a risk-free bet of up to $200. Just go to sportsgrid.com slash DK to play. That's sportsgrid.com slash DK. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
21 and over, New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. Uh, Mel- Melvin Gordon news here. Well, before we get to that, I wanted to talk about uh, the running back that was placed on injured reserve. That's Darius Geis. He was placed on injured reserve list today. Now, he can return after eight weeks. Uh, he did have surgery, but at least eight weeks he will miss. And Darius Geis was someone I stayed away from this year. I like the talent a lot. I drafted him last year before he had the torn ACL. There were just too many red flags for me. And I'm assuming most people who used my rankings did not get him. I did move him up in the last rankings update because he did look good in that preseason game. But there were just too many concerns for me. The Redskins medical staff, he had a lot of setbacks. He had a hamstring. He had infections with the ACL. Uh, it was not a good offensive line. You had Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson there, although you know they did seem to lean more towards Geis with Peterson being inactive in week one. They talked about him being a three-down back. You know, you could easily say, oh, it was bad luck it happened. I, I just thought there was risk with Geis, and I was not ready to invest a fifth, sixth, seventh-round pick on him. He started to rise up draft boards, uh, and... You know, he might not even contribute anything this year. You know, we're talking eight weeks, and will he be ready when he's eligible to return? Don't know. So uh, I think in deeper formats, people will probably hold him. But, you know, you might run into a decision with the bye weeks beginning in week four where you have other injuries and you might not be able to wait. And that's always the tricky thing with these players with injuries. So uh, Geis on injury reserve going to miss at least eight weeks uh, for sure. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN is reporting that the uh, not much interest in the trade for Melvin Gordon. So uh, Gordon is going to continue to protect himself with the holdout, but he will report to the team this year, according to a source. The source said not a Le'Veon Bell situation. He still wants to be a charger. So midseason, early November return looking more likely. So, you know, for now, obviously, Austin Eckler is a huge beneficiary here. And the thing is, Eckler, to me, will still have value. When Gordon returns, uh, we saw it last year. Uh, I was in a 14-team league last year where I used Eckler pretty much every week as my RB2 uh, because you know he's going to get a handful of receptions. But obviously right now, looking real good, certainly a good DFS play once again this week uh, because they are definitely going to give a uh, pretty big workload to Austin Eckler. I think we saw, what was it, 18 touches to 7, if I'm not mistaken, uh, compared to Justin Jackson and you know, I thought maybe it would have been a closer timeshare. And I did draft Jackson in a couple leagues, but didn't start him. Uh, won't be starting him this week either. But worth holding on to the roster. Because as you know, injuries could happen at any time. And, uh, you know, that's why so many of these backup running backs you kind of have to hold on to. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, with Raheem Mostert, it's things at the running back position in the NFL, they change very quickly. And that's why, you know, I prefer to spend uh, if I'm doing a big buy in fab, a running back. Now, obviously, there's situations where, hey, you, you tight end becomes available that you need. Receiver, like we saw a lot of receivers last week. But, you know, the running back has a real good spot uh, and opportunity to go into a big role. I mean, most of it was a guy that was on the roster bubble in the preseason. And just one week in, he had... An opportunity to get into the game once Tevin Coleman left with the high ankle sprain. He actually had a touchdown call back, and now he's in a spot where he's going to get some uh, pretty decent volume or double-digit touches. You know, Matt Breida, as much as I like him, you know, we have to be fair. 
uh, that he has been constantly banged up last year. He was in and out of the lineup. There were there were weeks. He was so frustrating last year because there were weeks like, oh, yeah, he's not going to play. He'd play and then go off. But uh, right now he's in a good spot uh, using him for sure. But most are, well, I would think, see double-digit carries as well as the 49ers do like to run the football and utilize multiple backs. The tough decision this week is going to be on Mike Williams of the Chargers. I thought he wasn't going to play. He left last week with a knee injury. Anthony Lynn said there was concern over him on Wednesday. They added a wide receiver from the practice squad, but they're saying now he is a game-time decision. So he did practice today, and Anthony Lynn said, I just need to see that he can go out and play and not hurt himself. He has a couple more days, so we'll go day by day. So... He also said Williams could be on a snap count if he is active. So for this, I'm probably not ready to trust him. Again, this is a decision that you're going to have to make on Sunday morning. And, you know, some people like to play it safe. If you're one of those that says, hey, I don't want to risk it. You know, he might not play that much. That's the way your philosophy is and go with it. Uh, Obviously, depends on alternatives. And trust me, I have a lot of Mike Williams. There's one league I have in my home league. I am not playing him because I have good depth at wide receiver. So, and I have some good running backs. Now I have Duke Johnson, Singletary, Breida, McCaffrey, who was already in, DJ Moore and Evans, who are already in, Sammy Watkins, uh, Christian Kirk, who are probably not playing, and a couple others that I guess um, oh Keenan Allen. So in that situation, I don't need to play Mike Williams because I have better options. Now there are other leagues where. I don't have great options and might have some injuries where I might be forced to play him. So there's no universal answer on a guy like Mike Williams. And again, I can't even give you the answer right now. Uh, You're going to have to wait till Sunday. Maybe there's reports over the weekend where he's way better. He shows up Sunday and he's fine. But right now, you're leaning towards not playing him. I think if you have Mike Williams, you want to seek an alternative just in case. Because he could be active. And barely play. We've seen this before. And the coaches acknowledged it. You know, a lot of times coaches don't say anything. But he didn't decline the idea that he could be on a staff count effective. So it just sucks. Because right now Williams is in a really good spot. With Hunter Henry being out. That's one less red zone player to compete with. And, you know, this team is banged up. So... It's a lot of Keaton Allen and Austin Eckler right now. I mean, we've seen when the tight ends are banged up, the Chargers throw to the running backs more. So, and Keenan Allen's going to see heavy volume as well. Uh, if Williams is out, Travis Benjamin becomes a deep sleeper if you're desperate because uh, he can make a big play at any time uh, as well. Uh, Le'Veon Bell will play in week two on Monday night. Adam Case said that Bell is good to go. They had an MRI yesterday. It was clean. Uh, Bell is expected to practice on Saturday. Remember, the Jets play the Browns at home on Monday night. And as we mentioned yesterday, Sam Darnold is out with mono. And, boy, that line has shifted. I think it was 2.5 in favor of Cleveland. It has now gone up to 6.5, which is kind of scary because all the money is going towards the Browns. Uh, I think about 81% of the money is on the Browns, man. That That's just scary because it looks like such an easy spot. You go, well, the Browns are going to bounce back. They were terrible last week. Jets are starting Trevor Simeon. Uh, but it is on the road. It is a primetime game. Jets defense did play well last week. Now, they did lose uh, C.J. Mosley 
against the Bills, and that's kind of when Bills had an easier time. Uh, Williams also looks questionable, so I don't know. It just seems too easy, and I always worry about that when I when I see a line like that and all the money going in that one direction. Trey Burton, the Bears tight end, is questionable to play this week against the Broncos. Uh, very risky player. I wouldn't even play him. Uh, and that game is also at 425 p.m. Eastern, so it's really difficult if he's going to be a game-time decision. But even if he plays, again, another guy where maybe he doesn't play a lot of the snaps. So uh, not someone that you can go to. Albert Wilson has been declared out for the Dolphins. Uh, he's got a calf and a hip injury, and this sucks, man. Albert Wilson was uh, being fed the football early on last week. Uh, I think he had four or five targets early in this game, and Wilson's a good player. He, uh, he was someone that I was taking in the double-digit rounds in one or two leagues, and uh, it's not good, man. So uh, obviously it's a terrible spot for the Dolphins. I don't see how you could use anyone. I mean, you'd have to be desperate on – You'd have to be desperate to use Kenyon Drake. I mean, yeah, look, they're playing from behind. Maybe he gets a ton of targets, but that's risky. What if they get completely shut down? Uh, Devontae Parker, I thought, looked good last week. He made a great play in traffic, leaping up against two defenders. But my guess is he sees a lot of Stephon Gilmore this week. So maybe Preston Williams is a desperate play, but could get ugly there uh, with Miami taking on New England. So really don't want to play anyone in that spot. Uh it looks like uh, Jalen Hurd, Trent Taylor, will not play for the 49ers this week. So, look, I can't trust any of their receivers right now. There was a report on Pettis that, you know, he should be over the groin injury and he could play more, but he played two snaps last week. Uh, I mean, long-term, Debo Samuel is someone to roster. He played 88% of the snaps, but I can't trust any of these guys right now uh, based on what they did. Uh, Tyler Lockett looks to be fine. He missed practice on Wednesday with a back issue. Uh, looks like he'll be good to go. And, of course, uh, they're in a spot against the Steelers. Uh, their defense has been terrible, and they were awful last week. So Lockett's in a good spot. Obviously, it's all about volume for him. Only two targets last week. you got to think that they're going to be forced to throw a lot more this week. Uh, Kiki QT is trending towards playing. Still a dicey play. I kind of want to see how this works out with Stills and QT on the field. Uh, in one game. So we know his ability, but again, adding stills to the mix and fuller healthy uh, is going to be something that we have to bear watching. Again, Joel Mixon is questionable for the Bengals. Looks like that is going to be a game-time decision. And Sterling Shepard has been ruled out with a concussion. When we return, I'll be joined by Fantasy Taz, FFChamp.com, to look ahead to the Week 2 action. It is full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rohn is here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Friday afternoon. Week 2 kicked off last night. Ugly fashion. Buccaneers beat the Panthers 20-14. to And joining me now to talk a little bit about Week 2, what we can expect is Fantasy Taz from FFChamps.com. Taz, what's up? 
hey, how you doing, sir? It's good to talk to you again. And look, you know, it, it wasn't the greatest game last night, but there was definitely some things you could take away from it. Uh, well, OJ Howard owners are not feeling that way today, but uh, quickly, what you know, because <laughs> I, I hear now that the people who are like, well, Bruce Aarons never needs to use the tight ends are like pounding their chest. I, I kind of disagree with that because when he had Heath Miller in Pittsburgh, he used them. He didn't have anyone good in Arizona. We did see OJ Howard involved in week one. I think the game script wasn't conducive. They only had 16 completions. There was ugly weather. They were playing from ahead. I understand being worried, but I don't think you're there's some people who want to drop OJ Howard. I don't think you can do it yet, but does it get better for OJ Howard? I mean, obviously it can't get zero every week, but should we, there were some people who thought he could break out. And I thought I felt that way. I mean, the guy is so talented. When you look at his play on the field, his yards per reception, like the guy's really good. I got to think Arians finds a way to get him involved. What are your thoughts? Hey, I've been saying that too. Look, you know, he is too talented not to get involved. Just the simple fact that the amount of mismatches you can create when he's part of the game plan is going to be so much bigger than without him as part of the game plan. So, you know, that's got to come into play at some point. Whether he's a tight end or not, who cares about the designation? He's a good receiver. He can definitely create mismatches. And with Godwin and him both working over the middle at the same time, I mean, defense is not going to know which way to go. So he has to get involved at some point. We'll, we'll see. I, I think this offense will get better and better each week. We'll see what what's happening. Winston played far better in week two than he did week one. Uh, should have had that second touchdown. Went right through Brashad Perryman's hands. That's a stop uh, shock. Yeah, yeah, well, there it is. <laughs> um, so, you know, he, he played better. He played much better. He made better decisions. Uh, you know, took one of those sacks he absolutely shouldn't have taken. Should have thrown that ball away. But that's nitpicking at this point. Uh, didn't turn the ball over, and that's great. The thing I want to take away from this that nobody else is really even talking about is this is not last year's Tampa Bay defense. Yeah. They are far superior to where they were last year. And, you know, everybody expected this to be a bad defense. And one of the reasons everybody liked Tampa Bay offense was that they were going to have to throw so much to stay in games. Well, that may not be what we, we're going to see this year. I mean, so far in two weeks, Todd Bowles has had that team playing pretty good defense. I agree. They've played much better than expected. But at the same time, Carolina crossed their 57 times. And Cam Newton was very inaccurate. So I think we need more than two games. I, I generally agree they have been much better than I thought, but if there was a more accurate quarterback, maybe we see a different result last night. But I think that was all part of the plan. Think about it. They took the main weapon out of the game. Yes, McCaffrey. They stopped Christian McCaffrey. He didn't do anything. They literally took him out of the game. They knew that Cam wasn't right. If you look at the tape of week one, you could tell he wasn't right. Um, so they knew he wasn't right. So they were saying, okay, we're going to take your main weapon out of it, and then we're going to make you beat us with your arm. And it worked for, for, to perfection because he couldn't beat them with his arm. And we might see that next week with the Bucks facing the Giants, right? Uh, they just, I think. Well, that, right? it, it might, the Giants? I think it'd be a little different uh, because <laughs> I mean they definitely have to take Barkley out. No wide receivers on the team to speak of at this point, but he's still got Mark in, uh, Evan Ingram that he can throw to. So it'll be a little different. But yeah, I mean, I think everybody's just overlooking the fact that they came in with the defensive game plan that worked. They took out the main weapon, just stopped him cold, and then said, let the rest of your guys beat us. We don't think Cam's up to it. 
Packers are hosting the Vikings this week. Obviously, the Packers offense looked terrible in week one against the good Bears defense. Now they're home going against a solid Vikings team. Uh, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, do they bounce back this week? Well, see, this is the tough one for me. I'm having a hard time coming up with this game myself. Look, the Vikings, uh, in four of the last time, five times they've played the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, they've kept him below 300 yards passing and with only one touchdown a game. Of course, the, the fifth game is the game he went off. He threw for 370-plus yards, he three passing touchdowns, and ran for another touchdown. But four out of the last five, they've held him in check. So it's obvious that, I mean, it could go either way. Uh, it is in Green Bay sh- that sh- should lean it a little bit towards Aaron Rodgers. But Minnesota looks really good on defense in week one. So I, this is a tough matchup for me. And that, that's why we're seeing the numbers in Vegas move a lot on this game. Uh, the Chiefs will be without Tyreek Hill. Obviously, Sammy Watkins looked tremendous last week. It's the best I've seen him look in a long time. But the question is, who is going to fill the void left by Tyreek Hill? Is it McCall Hardman, Demarcus Robinson? Uh, do you feel comfortable starting either of those guys, or do you want to see a week to see how it pans out? I'd really like to see a week to see how it pans out. Look, if you really want to take a, a shot in the dark and you know try to hit that bullseye, McCall Hardman has that upside in this offense. You know, all he needs is one or two big plays, a la Hollywood Brown last week, to put up big numbers. It's no doubt about it. He can absolutely do it, especially against the Oakland defense. So the the chances are there. You know, but I think we end up seeing. A little bit of both. I think we see some McCall Hardman on some plays. We see some Demarcus Robinson on other plays. And, you know, I think that tempers it a little bit. But if I was to pick one that has more upside, I'd have to say it's McCall Hardman just because of that speed. Talking to Fantasy Taz, you can find him ffchamps.com. Obviously, the Ravens were impressive going against the Dolphins last week. (laughs) Who can we count on this week? Can we go back to Marquise Brown? I know everyone's pointing out he played 14 snaps. Uh, he even said he's not really 100%, but you could see the speed that he has. And I think we all knew that. And he would have gone higher in drafts if he didn't miss a lot of the preseason in practice coming off the list Frank injury that he had in February. Uh, can, you, can we go back to him? I know he didn't practice today with a hip injury. It sounds like he's good to go. Uh, do you feel comfortable starting him, especially for those that picked him up off the waiver wire? Uh, I don't know if comfortable is the right word. Um, does he have the upside? Absolutely, especially against the Cardinal defense without Patrick Peterson. Uh, definitely has the upside. He, again, all he needs is a couple big plays to take it to the house. The problem with the, those guys is they just never seem to be very consistent. Um, you know, we've had those guys in the past. Heck, John Brown is one of them. Deshaun Jackson has been that kind of guy. Makes a couple big plays, has a great fantasy week. Everybody goes jumping all in on him. And then for the next three or four weeks, they do nothing. Um, and those kind of guys scare me, especially, like you said, he knows he's not 100%. How much does it really take for him to have another setback and miss time? I, I don't know if I'm fully ready to buy into him this week, but it is a great matchup. You want to take the chance. Sometimes you got to take that risk. Then go for it. Uh, I wouldn't fault you for it. I just don't know if I would do it. Carlos Hyde looked much better than I thought last week. It was basically a split with him and Duke Johnson, and I think a lot of us thought Duke Johnson was the player to own in this backfield. I kind of still do, especially passing situations. And uh, this week, Texans will take on Jacksonville. Uh, has Did anything change seeing that week one split between Duke and Hyde for you? Because I know I think you were a Duke Johnson fan as well. 
Oh, I am definitely a Duke Johnson guy. I have him in a lot of places, and I still think he'll have a good year. I'm not worried about that 100%. But Carlos Hyde did look better than we expected, no doubt about it. I don't remember anybody saying that, oh, Carlos Hyde is going to bounce back and be a great running back for Houston. But he played well. He ran well. He, you know, he, he looked like he was ready to go. So we'll see what happens there. To me, this week, Duke is, is a little bit of a fade for me, but not because of how good Carlos Hyde ran, but for the fact that now it looks like Kiki Kute is going to play. And I think that those two are going to battle for you know targets each week if they're both healthy. Uh, the team that will win the Super Bowl this year, the Dallas Cowboys, we saw them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> I liked what I saw last week. Because, yeah, look. Oh, you should. Absolutely. Kellen, I totally Kellen, agree. Kellen Moore. I mean, I heard a lot about him in the preseason and, and offseason. And we saw it. They passed on first down a lot, which I'm not used to seeing with Dallas. They ran a lot of play action. They had a lot of pre-snap motion. Um, the offense looked a lot different. Now, was that, do you think, part of the game plan? Was it to ease in Zeke, who only had 13 carries and sat most of the fourth quarter? Uh, or is this a sign of things to come? I mean, Cooper, and you're going to play every week. I think Dak has been a QB1 the last three years, so he's probably a good start almost every week. It comes down to uh, Gallup and Cobb. And what do you think happens this week as far as the pass-to-run distribution against the Redskins? I think it's going to be fairly the same. Look, uh, you know, we were talking about it all preseason. Kellen Moore was the talk of, you know, training camp and that he was going to make things different. And we saw that, absolutely saw that in week one, just like you said, especially the pre-snap reads were, I mean, uh, movement was huge. Um, they did it way more often than they have ever done it in the past. So I like this aspect. I love this offense. They have the playmakers all around. If he continues to call plays like that, I think this team has every chance uh, to you know, definitely go deep into the playoffs. They have the players around there, and I loved the play calling he was making, even if it was against my Giants. And now he's got the Redskins, who, you know, they're, they're decent defense, but they're just, the whole team is just in a bad place right now. I'm just not sure I'm buying into it. Um, you know, they came out, looked great against Philadelphia in the first half, and then Philly woke up and just smashed them down in the second half. So we see what team we get this week. But Dallas just looked good both on offense and defense last week. I think the Redskins are in for a rough one. The Browns were one of the most disappointing teams in week one. Obviously, the offensive line was a big problem. This week, they go into New York to take on the Jets, who obviously don't have Sam Darnold. Trevor Simeon will make the start. Is this a prime bounce-back spot for the Browns this week, and you're starting most of their players in fantasy? It should be, absolutely. But the Jets' defense is pretty good, too, at home. You know, they're still going to want to do something. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it really did come down to Cleveland's offensive line just looking terrible last week and what they could do about it. Jets' defense is still going to be good. And I expect Greg Williams to come after him hard and heavy early just because he saw what it did to him last week. So I'm not really sure I'm I'm 100% there yet uh, on whether or not I'm buying into the Browns. I think this offensive line could really be this bad. And if that's the case, then this is going to be a tough tough nut for this team to crack. Uh, losing Zeitler in you know in that trade might might be bigger than people expected. Are you buying into the new Bengals offense with Zach Taylor taking over? We saw 50-plus pass attempts from Andy Dalton, over 400 yards on the road in Seattle, usually a tough place to play. 
Uh, look, at this point, he's got nothing to lose. You know, without his star receiver, A.J. Green, I mean, Boyd had a great year last year. John Ross actually looked really good in week one for the first time since he's been drafted. He actually looked like an NFL wide receiver, so I wonder if we get that again. But, you know, Mixon's absolutely not 100% healthy. He may play, may not play. We're not sure yet. I like Bernard, though, to step up uh, and probably have a bigger role in the offense no matter what happens with Mixon. Even if Mixon starts, I'm sure Bernard's going to get a lot more work this week than we've seen, you know, last week. So uh, so I do expect that. And, you know, he ha- again, he has nothing to lose. Everybody's picking this team to be last in the division. You know, they, they have nothing but up to go and why not try it and and do it this way the problem I have is that we know Dalton has historically been good in September it's past that that he has issues yeah and in prime time too we usually see and the in prime, prime time too. Good point. And I, they might, maybe they only have one game this year potentially. Probably a Thursday night game. That might be it. I haven't checked, but they were such a bad team. All right, let people know where they can find you, uh, Taz. Uh, you can find me at ffchamps.com. Of course, you can also find me on Twitter at fantasy Taz. All right, always good talking to you. Good luck this weekend in fantasy. Uh, you too, sir. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right, again, that is fantasy Taz, Jim Day. Find them ffchamps.com. When we return, we'll wrap it up. We'll give you any last-minute news and give you some plays for the weekend. Full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here for a couple more minutes, getting you set for week two. And the way to do that is head on over to fulltimefantasy.com. have my week two deep sleeper article up. And again, this is for deep formats. Doesn't mean you're playing these guys. You know, deep sleeper means we're really going down to the middle to the bottom of the ranking. So... Uh, they're not going to hit every week. Uh, some of these sleeper articles I see also are just comical. I'm, char- I'm sorry, but Evan Ingram is not a sleeper. <laughs> I mean, he was drafted as a top five tight end in every league, and obviously he benefits a lot, and he's going to be a popular DFS play. But uh, sorry, I don't uh, claim him to be a sleeper. A word that's probably utilized wrong, probably more undervalued player. But uh, we got week two deep sleepers up there, week two sleepers, the week two stock watch, the week two wide receiver report, projections for DFS as well as the optimizer. And again, any specific questions you have, ask them on the message boards and forums. We will get to them, uh, as, and including Sunday morning. Uh, but try to get them in before noon. I know sometimes things happen, but if you ask a question at 1255, at 1 p.m., it's going to be difficult to get it in. We do our best. But just take note, because there were a couple people last week that got him in real late. And last week was a tough week for me because I was in Vegas. Uh, but I'll be around here this week. So uh, just went in and uh, showing Charles hammering away, answering those questions on the message boards uh, today. Uh, I'll definitely jump in, answer them late at night, 
So we will get to them and answer each and every question. It's one of the benefits of being a member. So check that out. Also check out my work, si.com slash fantasy. This week had the Stockwatch article, the Sneaky Starters, and the Waiver Wire Report. Uh, so you could check all of that out here. Uh, Mike Badgley, the kicker for the Chargers, is questionable this week with a groin injury. So, uh, look, I'm not risking it with a kicker. I had Badgley in the league. Unfortunately, it didn't have waivers last week. I dropped him this week and uh, got the Panthers kicker who came through big time last week. But I'll never mess around with kickers and just know your league rules. Sometimes, especially FFWC, waivers runs tonight and that's it. So if Badgley's your only, only kicker, I don't want to risk it, man. I'm going to go elsewhere. Don't want to deal with a kicker with a questionable designation. That wraps it up here. But if you have any questions, again, head on over to fulltimefantasy.com on the message boards and the forums. I'll be answering them this weekend. Good luck to you in week two. Be back Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have a great weekend and slay in week two.